0: Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. This is a baptism from which I must be baptized and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, two against three. A father will be divided against his son, a son against his father, a mother against her daughter, a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Gospel of the Lord.
1: I have not come to bring peace, but division. I have come to set a fire upon the earth. It's it's wonderful to be back with you after over a month uh, doing ministry in Mexico at our general chapter where Dominicans from all over the world, representatives from every province, gather to exercise our democratic way of life, the Dominican order, the democratic principles where we elect all of our superiors, there's term limits, and we fashion all of our legislation, called the act that comes from those Dominican constitutions. Said I should write a book afterward called Eat, Pray, Meet, because that's what we did for for the last uh, five, six weeks almost, Uh, and a wonderful time, wonderful experience. But I was hoping upon my return that the gospel would be something warm and inviting, like the Good Shepherd. Or perhaps the Lord teaches us how to pray the Our Father. And instead, we get, I have come to bring fire on the earth. Welcome back. (laughs) And I think when we have a challenging gospel, let's admit it, it's a challenging gospel. There are two ways to go. We can first of all, we can kind of step step aside a little bit, kind of uh, ignore it a little bit. As I had one person say, "Well, that's Father. That's why they have two readings, right?" So you look to the second reading. So what does Hebrews say this morning? Uh, no, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we can often avoid that. And there's an analogy, analogy with faith as well. If we're not willing to be challenged by our faith, or let Jesus challenge us. It's kind of like our faith where we, our faith is believing in a God who loves everyone we love, who doesn't like people we don't like, and basically confirms every belief we have, right? God is on board with what I'm thinking. Well, that's not faith, right? That's just confirmation bias, right? That's just like, God believes everything I believe, loves everything I love, right? That's not real faith. Faith challenges us. So we simply can't ignore that that's not a although it might be instinct to be ah oh, that's tough let's turn the page we can't do that the second way to go though is to kind of explain it away a little bit i don't know how many times you've heard well jesus is using hyperbolic language here he's saying something extreme to make a point it's a very jewish kind of thing to do and moreover he's not really talking to us is he he's talking to the, the pharisees and the sad the bad guys right the guy with the black hat right you know it's not really talking to us and we can marginalize that because we and once again we risk we risk the kind of growth that is always always at the heart of a challenge let's say no pain no gain no growth unless we're willing to be challenged by Jesus's words so let's as much as we would like, perhaps, or I would like the good shepherd or the Lord teaches pray. What is Jesus talking about when he talks about dividing, bringing fire, entering into a, a baptism of death? What kind of challenge is he offering us today? And when, whenever we look at the challenging texts of the scripture, we need to do it with a little bit of context. Right? We just get a little section here. This is from the Gospel of Luke and for the last two chapters, chapters 11 and 12, we've been hearing Jesus preaching and and teaching, sharing stories and parables. But before that, before that, Jesus is doing a very important activity and it's an activity which is characteristic of the gospel of Luke. By tradition, do you know what Luke, who Luke was? What was his profession? Does anyone, let's say he wasn't a professional gospel writer. It's one of the things he did, but what was his profession, does anyone know? It's a doctor it's a physician in fact it's thought that's how he had insight the only gospel that gives us a marian insight the Annunciation, visitation because he was mary's personal doctor it was thought right so he's a doctor he's a physician because of this the early church writers and doctors looked at jesus in the gospel luke and said one of the themes is that he is the divine physician. He's a spiritual doctor. And knowing that, having that insight, we come back to these challenging words where Jesus says, I'm coming to bring division, stirring things up, I'm bringing a fire, there's death involved. And now imagine a doctor saying that. Well, what does a doctor do? He sees where there's unhealth, and in order to bring health, what do you have to do? You've got to cut out the unhealth. You've got to remove right? From our bodies, that which is poisoning and causing that unhealth. Jesus is the divine physician, comes into our broken, sinful world. And the first step towards health is what? We've got to remove the cancer. (laughs) We've got to get rid of the poison, that sinfulness, that selfishness that is at the heart of each one of us. How eager he is to bring that purifying fire To wash us with those waters of baptism, which is death to self, so that new life can grow. To remove all those unhealthy relationships, even if they're family relationships, that are based on dysfunction and strife and selfishness. Cut those away, prune those away, that new life might grow. I was recently reading, I love history, reading some World War II history, and I came upon a very interesting uh, aspect of the war right when they were uh, very uh, much in uh, chemical warfare was there. And um, the, the kind of uh, nitrogen mustard gas was being introduced and, and they were studying the effects on some of the soldiers uh, that had breathed this in and, and certainly the burning, the scarring, very uh, deleterious effects. But you know what came from that? Chemical warfare in the Second World War? There are a few doctors that looked at that and saw although it was injurious, to the body, for sure it was poison, gases. They saw there were certain reactions that triggered the immune system, white blood cells, bone marrow and so forth, towards reducing cancer. Chemotherapy, modern chemotherapy came out with the origins were in chemical warfare of the Second World War. So in the 50s and 60s, there were doctors who were looking and before this, before that long ago, what were your options with cancer? Surgery or radiation, And burn it or cut it out, otherwise no, no hope. They saw that this chemical reactions, this mustard gas could actually perhaps be a therapeutic sort of event. Now, the medical community was not on board in, by and large with this. There are a few doctors, especially treating children with leukemias that said, we need to do this. And there was one line, I was reading the literature, I got to get down a rabbit hole of this a little bit, as I am once. And there was one line that stuck out to me. This doctor says, Look, these chemicals are poisonous to a healthy body, right? This is just a fact. And yet, when introduced to a body that's dying, it's the blood itself is poisoned. There's a possibility that it might bring life. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about. Love in a perfect world would be pleasant and beautiful and self-giving in every way. Love in a fallen world, in a sinful world, will feel like poison. It will feel hurtful and painful. Why? Because we need to cut out that cancer, we need to experience that selfless love of God which burns away the selfishness of our lives. Jesus, the divine physician, challenges us like any good doctor to say, what are you will, the spiritual cancers of your life that you will allow me to burn away that you experience health? in every way. So, we might ask ourselves, what is the divine treatment plan, right? And we speak generally in this way, whenever you go to the doctor, usually there's something you have to do every day, something that you have to do on a regular basis, maybe every week, or something every month, year, right? There's a kind of a short-term, intermediate, long-term kind of thing. Well, for us, let me suggest to you something to do every month is experience God's full forgiveness, especially sacramentally in confession. This is why we have confessions before all of our masses. It's free, it's available, it's there. Experience the fullness of God's mercy. The Lord is so eager to be part of our lives. We just have to say, Lord, here's how I failed. Here's the ways in which my selfishness, my sinfulness, those addictions, those things, those grudges I'm holding on to, I want to let go of those. Help me. Forgive me. Help me experience your mercy. So if you're not going to... Kind of, we're in the, kind of the, 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 the summer days, right? Or maybe more relaxing. Or we're getting ready for school, right? right. What a better time. I can't think of a better time to experience the fullness of God's mercy. Get back to confession if it's been a while. Every week we come and we celebrate the sacraments. And I say, especially if we're coming every week and become a little bit of a routine, we realize... That the love that created the world is not going to be part of our lives. We're literally going to receive the love of God, which can burn away all self love. Right here, right now, the sacrament of the Eucharist, we're celebrating a baptism. I can't think of a better moment to recall that each one of us who have been baptized have, in a sense, died to ourselves. I usually don't mention this in infant baptism, but the real symbol is drowning. Don't worry. Larry's gonna survive this <laughs> but it's trying its death to self to rise anew with Christ Do we see that when we come to the Eucharist do we allow the Lord to heal us do we see the healing of the Eucharist in this way and then finally daily we need to be praying not just going through the motions but really talking to God I know this is a surprising you have a priest on Sunday who's saying we need to pray Right? Ooh, there's a shocker. You know what Father said today? We ought to be praying. Can you believe it? <laughs> right? Not a shocker, but I have to say I, I kind of put the shoe on uh, the other foot, so to speak. I think when I go to the dentist, one the, of the things that you know, she always asks me, "Are you flossing every day?" I'm like, "Oh boy." <laughs> My dentist is not here, so I'll, I'll admit to you, <laughs> I'm not the most fastidious flosser. <laughs> I'm not a big floss guy. Do I know I need to do? Probably. Ah, it's kind of painful, it's irritating, I don't want to do it, but probably be good for my dental health if I flossed every day, right? We know this in terms of our prayer. We ought to be praying. Well, here's a little way that we might pray. Consider what's something in your life that you're either holding back or holding on to that you know is not good for your spiritual health. Right? What's keeping us from God's love? That second reading, we talked about Hebrews, I mentioned that earlier talks about the great cloud of witnesses, the saints in heaven. Were the saints perfect? Is that why they're saints? No, saints have lots of saints. You don't get a stained glass window because you're perfect, right? You get a stained glass window, why? Because you've gone through the purifying fires of God's love. You allow the Lord to excise from you your selfishness. I remember talking about uh, All Saints Day to the kids at religious education, I said, are the saints perfect? You know, they're in heaven. And one child raised her hand and said, they are now. <laughs> and I said, that's, that's a good answer, right? You can't get to heaven unless you're perfect, right? And I won't ask for you to raise your hands. The earlier mass, someone was bold enough to raise, who here is perfect, right? I actually had a hand at the last mass. <laughs> None of us are perfect. What does that mean? None of us in this church are ready for heaven. None of us. Because only the perfect can be in heaven. Why? Because that's who God is. Totally that gift of self-love. We will not be able to be in his presence unless we too have that same disposition, attitude, and cultivation. So so we all got work to do. So let's let our prayer this week be introspective about what it is that's keeping us from receiving the fullness of God's love. Purifying fire in every way. One little example I often give. I my little list of dangerous prayers. What's a dangerous prayer? A prayer that God always answers. Here's one, for example. Lord, help me to be more humble. Has anyone actually tried to pray that? Because I guarantee you, you've tried to pray it, you know what you get. You get a big old slice of humble pie. <laughs> the Lord gives you that opportunity, right? patience, forgiveness, you name it. If you truly pray the Lord excise that, bring that purifying fire, the Lord will do it. It's not so much the Lord won't give it to us or give us that opportunity. It's like, are we really ready for it? This challenging gospel is nothing less than the divine physician challenging us to a love which is painful but purified. It hurts but it brings health. Let us open our hearts to that purifying fire of God's love. Let us allow the divine physician to heal us. Amen. Amen.